Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Big one at PBA tonight for Nebraska. They are undermanned. We'll see what type of uh, effort transpires. I think the effort's going to be fine. But uh, you're down some horses, some big-time players. So we'll get there. Nebraska continues to impress their boss, Trev Albert. Some comments from Trev with his show last night on the Husker Network and uh, some thoughts NFL-wise as we move forward. Numbers to get in today on Hale Varsity Radio. You can dial up at 466-3776-466-3776. Toll free where you can hear us across the Hale Varsity Radio Network, one 800 825 5865. Can always email Chris at HaleVarsity.com and give us a find on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio and Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Want to watch the show uh, as well as listen? Easy to do. Different ways to do it. ESPN Lincoln, Facebook, and Twitter can check in on either of those platforms. Hale Varsity YouTube page. And, of course, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. Catch us on your way home. Catch Coffee and Cream, Damon and Andrew, on your way in in the morning. So, Elijah, a lot to get to. Uh, excited. We'll get some uh, up-close and personal takes on the Cincinnati Bengals and one Joe Burrow from Jimmy Burrow. We had a chance to, to talk with him today. We'll hear that interview tomorrow. But a lot going on. Uh, we will spend time here at about 15 minutes with Mike Babcock, get his take on some spring position battles for Nebraska football and the Fred Hoiberg job discussion, okay? Because that's, that's out there. This team's way different than past Fred teams where you're rooting for him. They're not always fun to watch offensively, but they're always going to give you the effort. Is, is that enough here in year four? And uh, you still got plenty of season left, but you're down some key pieces. So we'll get there with Mike Babcock in hour two. Andy Markowski will give us a preview in Nebraska and Northwestern. And then also Evan Bland. Coaches have been busy. There's been an infiltration today, uh, more so at Omaha North and Westside and Bell West, with a lot of other coaches, not just Nebraska coaches, stopping by to say hi. So some in-state prospects getting the uh, visit from Fleck from Colorado, from Missouri, or as Clausburn would say, Missouri. So uh, that's on our mind. We'll talk with Evan Bland there and then Dr. Brandon Seifert, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Just what is up with the Mahomes 
injury. Let's start off, though, with a little bit of Trev Alberts uh, last night uh, with his kind of reaction and, and state of, of where things are at. And, and one thing that when you have a, a new staff that comes in that has won and, and done well in college, but they're not Nebraska-centric, you, you have uh, Donnie Raiola as a holdover. You still have Ron Brown as an analyst, but you don't have a lot of former Nebraska pieces that have coached or played on staff. What's that mesh point look like when it comes to tradition and innovation? How's that merge going? A little bit more from Trev Alberts. One of the things that um, you know I, I, I've seen from this staff is is a, a genuine respect for Nebraska and respect for the Husker tradition. At the same time, what I love about them, and this is sometimes challenging for all of us, but we still have to be innovative. You know, we, this program, when you think about what Coach Osborne did a long time ago, Coach Osborne never got credit for, I mean, he, he was extraordinarily hardworking. Of course, he was brilliant. He was a great schemer. He was a great play caller. Coach Osborne was one of the best strategic thinkers you could find. And so when we think about how Nebraska was always out in front, well, that's innovation. And so the real key for, for, for Coach Rule is, hey, how do we find a way to really respect and embrace the history and tradition that is Nebraska athletics and Nebraska football? And at the same time, we've got to move forward. We've got to innovate. We've got to think differently. We've got to be entrepreneurial. And this is a group that I think can thread that needle because that's not always easy to do, Greg. But they're very respectful uh, of everything that's been done here. Uh, very respectful. Uh, you know, Matt's had multiple conversations with Coach Solich and Coach Osborne and others just trying to pick their brains on, you know, um, what worked, what didn't work, how do you get this done? And by and large, the, I think the, the, the message that's been very consistent and one of the things that I think has really went over well is Matt's recognizing the impact of Nebraska football players. And you go back, even in some of our best teams, if you get six or seven or even eight, like they did this year, of the top high school football players in Nebraska, the best teams, um, had about 18, 20, 24 right. kids from Nebraska. That's our culture. That's who we are. That's our toughness, right? And uh, Matt recognizes that, and I, I just love uh, their investment into the state. So it's not just paying respect. It's not just paying homage. And, and that's big. And that's been big for whoever's come in that's been a quote, and uh, you know, a quote outsider do they do they get Nebraska? Do they get the Nebraska way? Is there somebody that's been a part of it that's there to show them or tell them one or or B? Is there somebody that has been a part of it? So of course they know it, and they're supposed to to know how it worked in the past and how what worked in the past can work in today's uh, day and age, and that's a that's a sticky ball of wax. But Trev's not wrong with you talk to any coach from any era and whether it be the Callahan era or Bo's teams or Riley or go back and look at some of the, the, the leaders, not just good players on the field, but the guys in the locker room. And Elijah, it's, it's Nebraska kids. It's not that, well, you got to go grab every Nebraska kid. Yeah, it'd be nice. Not every Nebraska kid, just like not every kid from California or Texas or Florida, is going to be on your two deep. It's just not going to happen. But the more Terry Keneally's you have that can play at a all-Big 8 level or uh, Phil Ellis 
at an all Big Eight level, Grand Island kid, or a Tom Rathman, and I'm and I'm picking out uh, Eric Stokes, Lincoln East. Uh, listen, you you need that Nebraska aspect on your team. You need a Macavica because he's damn good, but he's also going to punch the five star in the face Monday through Thursday at practice. He'll either fade away or bow up, and and that's that's the Nebraska aspect that. Guys who come in, whether they get Nebraska or want to get Nebraska, need to be open to. And it's not always been that way. And even in some instances, guys from Nebraska who've played here just thought maybe their way was was the way. Well, it's it's about finding guys that want to do it the right way. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've been thinking about over the past couple days, and it, it just kind of came to me was the fact that a tradition that's definitely gone away from Husker football in recent years is the tradition of academic All-Americans. Do you know when the last time Nebraska had an academic All-American was on the uh, football team? Was it 2013 with uh, Spencer Long? Yes, that, that was the last one pre... There's one more in between there. It came the last year of Mike Riley's tenure, so it kind of got swept under the rug. That was uh, Chris Weber. A, okay, a linebacker. linebacker from uh, from uh, Elkhorn. Yes. So he was Nebraska's last academic All-American in 2017. Before that, it was Bo Pliny with uh, a couple every single year. He was in tenure, uh, He was in charge. And then uh, go back before that is 2005, Dane Todd. But Nebraska has had one academic All-American in the last decade, in 10 years. One academic All-American. And, and that just kind of speaks to the way Husker football has changed. It used to be building men on the field and off the field. And... I think they've kind of gotten away from both of those tenants and that the football team has, has struggled in results. And guess what? You're not turning out academic All-Americans like you used to, which is a selling point of this university. It's up on the the, the facade of the stadium. It's a nation-leading, I can't remember the, the number of academic All-Americans. 370-something. Yeah. That, that's on the facade of Memorial Stadium, yet Nebraska's had one in the past 10 years. That kind of speaks to the way Nebraska's gotten away from tradition and, and gotten away from what built a winning culture here at Nebraska. It's just That's a very small sample size just to, to look at academic All-Americans, but those have gone away at Nebraska. Well, they've been important. I mean, you, for, you used to match. I mean, two of those four guys you listed just a couple of minutes ago were academic All-Americans. Mm-hmm. And and they were they were Nebraska they're they're, they're Nebraska kids, mm-hmm. right? You got Lincoln Southeast with Dane. You have, uh, I think, uh, you have Lincoln East with Rob Zadishka. Yeah, Doctor Rob. Uh huh. And I mean, I, I can go down the list of, of Nebraska kids. I got the list pulled up in front of me. They, they but they they set the example. Makovica. Yeah, is the point is they set the example on the field and, and then off the field academically, and you know Trev makes a point where you you got to go harness that Nebraska edge and and keep it here and not ignore it. And then also uh, what Rule was talking about with Bussin was, you know, there's a lot of places that are recruiting nationally. Nebraska's always had to and wanted to recruit nationally. You've had some pipelines to California and Texas and Florida in past years, and you've got a, a new pipeline uh, down to Texas. So that's going to be important. Uh, we'll get Babber's thoughts on this in a little bit. Trev was also asked about his role uh, when it comes to, to recruiting, how how hands-on or involved he is. Trev wants this not because he's in charge, but Trev wants this because he loves Nebraska. I mean, Trev, Trev was an academic All-American. Mm-hmm. I mean, Trev was brilliant, and still is. And then Trev also... Uh, Butkus Award winner, All American. I mean, a, a great edge player in in the country. I mean, the the best 
edge guy there was in in the country in, in 1993 and Treb touched on his role when it comes to recruiting because Nebraska right now is uh, turning over heaven and earth for players from from all different parts of the the country I will do whatever the coaches ask me to do. I really feel like my job is to serve the coaches and to serve the student athletes. Uh, from time to time, uh, I'll have a request. Hey, would you do that? 100%. I mean, I, I, um, I, of course, love doing it. I'm not going to get in the way. If I'm counterproductive, uh, I certainly won't do it. But my job is to block and tackle for the coaches and to help clear a path for them, hopefully, to be successful. Fair enough. I mean, you've seen him on the sidelines during the transition spending time with recruits and and trev is good at at being very direct trying to showcase what this place is all about and if you have any questions uh fill you in on it because although he he was from iowa i mean he's he's still a midwest midwest kid you know has the 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 rural work ethic and you know good for trev how many athletic directors want to be a part of that I mean, let me let me rephrase it. How many of them are good at it? <laughs> okay, let me rephrase. It's one thing to to stick your beak in, but are you helping or hurting the situation? And I think Trev's been a been a big time help in the situation. Last thought from Trev, and then we'll we'll hear a little bit uh, later on from from Fred Hoiberg. But uh, the Go Big project, because that new facility for all student athletes is just going to be big time, and it's going to be very key when it comes to injury recovery, something Rule spent a lot of time on yesterday with Will Compton, having the healthiest football team. Well, it, it, the progress is going very well. Again, I always want to thank our, the folks working on it, you know, the architects and our construction team. want to thank, you know, our, our staff. Uh, you know, this is part of this recruiting. I mean, it's been a really, in a sense, stressful time for some of the members of our staff in a sense that we've got this critical opportunity to get some talent in here to help our football program. Not just our football program, but the rest. And so you're starting to see some of the Go Big project take shape. We're taking all the recruits there through there. You know, and one of the big things that Matt is, you know, it's, it's, it's all about recovery and it's about health of our student athletes and this is the brick and mortar behind that and it's going to be the premier development facility in the country and and uh, it's really helped us in recruiting and, and Schmitty, do you think that there was uh, a thank you to the, the builders and the architects for this because you think there was a like a, a last minute call from trev yesterday like hey take out that waterfall in the front lobby get more recovery in there you guys listen to busting with the boys get that let's, waterfall let's, out of uh, there let's shift <laughs> let us shift where we're we're we're, we're getting the the water or we need more water for the athletes <laughs> less for the uh, the ambiance those poor architects are probably sitting there like they, they have the the waterfall ready to go in the front lobby and they're they're listening to us with the boys too going no, no we meant to put the water uh with the uh the surgical team husker basketball <laughs> and listen nebraska's seven and two at home big opportunity tonight as uh, Northwestern in town, our old boy Connor Clark is on the call tonight for that with uh, KRNU, the campus radio station. We're all uh, alum of that, so if you if you feel like it, check out Connor tonight on on the call, and uh, he'll do a magnificent job. But you look at the standings right now; Rutgers in second place alone. Then you got a bit of a long log jam in that fourth spot with Illinois and Sparty. 
uh, Wisconsin and, and Indiana and Iowa all log jam. Penn State's kind of leading the way on that back tier, but Penn State right now is probably a, a tournament team. Maryland's floundering a bit. Uh, Nebraska's at 10 and 10 overall, but 3 and 6. Ohio State and Minnesota. Ohio State's just too young for their own good right now as they dropped another tough one. Uh, Michigan and, and Northwestern right there. Uh, you know, about uh, three games behind, but Northwestern has some some impressive wins already. They're thirteen and five. They've survived the uh, the the COVID scare as they won last night, and they're back at it tonight. But Northwestern is three and one on the road. That's the big thing. I know they're favored by two and a half. Is this just going to be too much to overcome? Nebraska's going to fight like hell all season. And I don't know that the results are going to be any different than last year. They'll just be they'll be maddening in a in a close loss standpoint, but it won't be for lack of execution or or following the plan. But you may get the same result. The difference is you're down some key pieces. And uh, we'll get into that here with Mike Babcock. Hey, Varsity continues presented by Currency. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, historian, author, Hall of Famer, uh, Mr. Husker Football, Mike Babcock. We've got to get an emoji chain that says all of what I just said and just put that out there for Mr. Mike Babcock and then maybe a you know, a Grateful Dead dancing bear or something like that. At MD Babs on Twitter is where you find him. Babbers, how we doing? Hey, I'm doing okay. Uh, yeah, wish it was a little warmer, but that's okay. <laughs> Save here. I'm not gonna. I'm keeping the stock in hand on. Don't worry, Babbers. Uh, February's right around the corner. It's it's looking up for us. Well, it'll get here. That's the worst part about February is you always get tired of that cold weather in January, and then February hits you and it just gets even worse. They always sneak in a 60 or 70 degree day or two in February just to mess with the uh, <laughs> the, the old sinuses. And, you say and they. Who are you referring to? They. The almighty. That's <laughs> <laughs> where I'm going with I that. I you were going to go with like a weather conspiracy theory on Something. You, Someone's pressing a button somewhere. Mike, uh, football, let's start there. And Elijah and I were, were chatting a little bit uh, about some, some key spots for this spring. And can either go position group or, or player that you're wondering about or maybe thinking, you know what, this is going to be key. I mean, it seems like every other day there's either somebody new in the portal back when the portal was open or you're getting a, a recruit in that, that may have a chance to, to, to flash and uh, may may see some time. I don't know that, that Rule and company are going to lean on young pups in there, so to speak, but there's a lot of options. There's more options, 37 new players that are going to be a part of this spring workout. And, uh, you know, we look at the defensive side of the ball with a new defense, and 
any guys that you think uh, have a big spring in front of them? It's always big, but you've, you've got a new set of eyes on you. Well, you know, I can't keep track of all the guys that are, they're coming in here and what kind of competition that's going to present with the newcomers. But obviously every time we discuss this, I always say, you know, who's going to be the people up front, Mm -hmm. the offensive line, the defensive line. And it's going to be a little bit different now with, with uh, coach White's uh, defense uh, with a three, three, five, that's going to be a whole different kind of a thing. So even guys that are coming back, uh, are going to have to make some adjustments. Are going to have to fit into a different kind of a system. So you look at Luke Reimer. You look at Nick Henrich, and uh, you think, you know, how is it? How are their positions going to change? Even though they're experienced guys, um, how are they going to have to fit into this new system? Uh, offensive line, I think, is important for me. Competition at quarterback is, you know, that's always going to be a high-profile position. Um, with Sims coming in. And uh, uh, Casey Thompson returning, uh, you've got some competition there, I would think. And then, uh, you know, some of the guys that, uh, that carry over, they're going to be in the competition too. Um, and I, I get the sense from what uh, uh, Rule said that it's going to be an open competition there. So pretty much, you can pretty much take any position group, I think, and define it as, well, this is going to be interesting because – new coaching staff, new guys coming in. How's the competition going to be? Nobody has a job, you would guess, until you get to the end of the spring and maybe not even at the end of the spring. You know, you've got fall camp, too, to, to determine some things. And when guys get here in the fall, that's going to make another – that's going to make a difference as well. So – we, we, I, it's hard to say one position group. That's what I'm saying. We were we were wondering about th- that edge, right? Because you got you got uh, Butler and Gunnarsson that are your holdovers. Uh, they've not seen a ton of time, but they haven't really disappointed in small, 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 small sample sizes. And then you go SEC shopping for for some more edge bodies that are coming in some some high profile guys and a guy like uh, chief and a guy like sherman off the edge yeah, judy to that list too yeah, judy's uh, another lineman that we're we're excited about just because of what he was supposed to be at a&m yeah and, and you know that's one thing that that i think is dramatic is the change is the change to the base defense you know a three three five that's not something that we've seen here. Um, and that's a whole different kind of a thing. Although, uh, you know, I, I guess guys can adjust, they adjust the, the alignment depending upon what the offense does. I mean, it's, it's flexible uh, in, in that sense. But I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that uh, evolves. Although, if you look at it, Nebraska's defense has been decent the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's more like the uh, the the penalties and the uh, turnovers and uh, you know the offense being able to be consistent on on the consistent basis. So maybe we're looking at at some things with the offense uh, first and foremost. Mike Babcock's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and Mike, I want to get your thoughts on uh, something that I hit on back in the uh, the first segment and. You have probably have a much different perspective on it than me, and I'm not sure if you listened to our first segment, but I want to pick your brain for a second. Do you know off the top of your head how many academic All-Americans Nebraska's had in the past decade? The football team, that is. 
I'm sorry, it locked up there. What was that? How many academic All-Americans? What was it? In, in the past decade, do you know off the top of your head how many Nebraska's had? Oh, no, I don't know off the top of my head, but I know that Nebraska always prides itself in having the most academic All-Americans, and there, there's a significant number of those. Uh, Mike seems to have frozen on us. Yeah, he went uh, San Solo, I think. Babbers. Oh, oh. We cut out, didn't we? You, now, we're, now we're good. Uh, yeah, just when I have something of substance to say, it goes. It, and then it's I forget right. what it was of substance I needed to say. The importance of academic All-Americans on the football team, though. I think that's where you're going. I, you know, I feel, I feel like I started to say this, I guess, that Nebraska has always been ahead of the curve on that kind of thing. I mean, and going going back a long time, you know, that was one of the things that, that Osborne emphasized. And, you know, I think it's important because it's student athlete. It's not just athlete. You know, there's a student aspect to it. And the commitment that you have in the classroom, I think, carries over into the commitment that you have on the football field. And that's why I think it's important. Mike, would you be surprised if I told you there's only been one academic All-American from the football team within the past decade? I would be surprised that, yeah, and that that would not fit into the the overall picture. Nebraska has always been really good at that. So that's that's not something that uh, that strikes me. And, you know, it could be the change in mentality, I, I think. But Nebraska has always prided itself on that. It's It surprises me. Yes, it does. See, and it was back in 2017, it was Chris Weber, the linebacker, who was Nebraska's last academic All-American. And I guess – the heart of my question here is, is, and you touched on it briefly, is, is this just the changing world of college football and what we're seeing, or is this the fact that Nebraska's had people in charge that didn't quite emphasize the things that made Nebraska so great throughout the, the 80s and the 90s? That's a good question. I think it's, it, it's probably part, a little bit of both because I think the, the world is changing, obviously, in athletics, no question about that, in a lot of significant ways. But I still think that Again, they remain, they're student athletes. It's not just athlete. You don't, and I, and I know there are some who come here and that's their whole uh, focus is I'm an athlete. I'm looking to go to the NFL and football. I'm looking to go to the NBA, uh, WNBA, whatever it is, uh, professional. That's my focus. Um, but uh, I think it's really important still to have that academic focus because, again, I think that focus there carries over onto what you do on the football field. Mike, let's focus on basketball when Northwestern tips off with Nebraska tonight. I think Northwestern's favored by just shy of three. Uh, They are a little resurgent. This team's a lot like their tournament team that Collins took them to five, six years ago. And Nebraska keeps getting punched in the face with injuries and insult. And the big picture, though, of Fred Hoiberg and, and his job year four, folks like this team, they root for this team, and they, they, they want it to work. Um, how much do you think you should take into consideration the, the, the bad luck or the, the injuries this year when we look at the final tally? Well, I think you have to take into consideration the injuries because they've had a couple of really significant ones to lose those guys. I think that the Huskers have been really scrappy in the way that they've played. 
I think they played well defensively in most situations. Um, that's a positive, but you know how frustrating it can get for fans. And you look at it and say, well, you know, we haven't had a winning season for X number of years. You know, this needs to change. We've got to get, uh, we've got to get somewhere. Uh, and I, it's probably not going to be where uh, fans would like it to be this season because of where it is right now. Although, again, Elijah's got him going to the NIT. So, um at least we got him. We got him there, right? Hey, that was before the injuries. I'm not so sure now, Mike. <laughs> I mean, they, they've got. Uh, we were talking last week. Seven and five, six and six, probably gets you. Uh, well, not to the dance, but it gets you at least postseason. And, and, but now but the, I think question, that looks really hard. The question becomes with, with that defense. I mean, your two best defensive players out for the rest of the year where does the offense come from because if you can't make up from the defensive end the points have got to come from somewhere to points have been hard to come by anyway exactly yeah that's the thing it, the offense has struggled at times where the defense has kind of been the thing that holds it together a little yeah. to some degree and and now losing these guys that's that's not good um, but it's the you know the big 10 is very competitive so um you know, where you fit in the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten might have a lot of teams that qualify for postseason play. Um, and it, it, the record may not be that spectacular, but um, Nebraska still, I think, is in a position where it could get could get there. But this is a this is a blow losing these guys. Big time without uh, Bandamel and, and, of course, Gary. Mike, about 30 seconds. The new issue is dropped. What's in the new magazine with Hale Varsity? Um, a lot of good stuff about uh, Matt Rule, the uh, you know travel to get to where he is here at Nebraska, uh, and some information on you know where the coordinators, what, what what they had done in the past season, you know what their emphasis had been statistically. Um, you see how they did. Uh, Brandon Vogel is a master of that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, looks pretty good. Can't wait for it. Very yeah, it'll be a good look. Uh, HaleVarsity.com backslash uh, uh, offer is where you go to get that subscription, the magazine, the digital, and bundle them up and enjoy. Mike, we'll check in next week. Thanks for a few minutes today, bud. Let's have some warm weather. <laughs> Babber's going to bundle up. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. A few minutes away, we'll spend time with Andy Markowski and Evan Bland at Tail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Let's spend uh, some more time on Husker Hoops. Can also veer back into some football thoughts, too, with uh, Nebraska 
and the portal, the advantage Nebraska has there. But I, I think what's going to determine the success of this season moving forward here, how competitive Nebraska remains, Elijah, is, is two guys. Yes, it's a team, but you've seen uh, Nebraska turn to the youth. You've seen Denham Dawson get more minutes out of necessity. You've seen more from Jamarcus Lawrence. Bryden Bach has flashed and continues to get better. You still have the old guard. You still have Walker and Greasel that will set the tone, but your two stoppers in Bandamel and Gary, they're just going to be able to there to help to help the young guys. That's it. And 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 rally their teammates while they while they rehab. And what Dawson and Lawrence do from from this point on, and, and you saw Lawrence, who's too good a shooter to be as shaky as he's been from the free throw line, he'll be able to get to the rim on some drives and collect some fouls. And, and we've not really seen him catch, shoot, score that way. We have seen Dawson in limited uh, options and opportunity hit some shots but not really be afraid of the moment. Uh, getting to the rim, some some crazy circus shots uh, with the reverse layup flavor. But those guys have to be confident and ready. But you've seen the skill development aspect. It's not, all right, just go gather dust on a shelf somewhere. Nebraska's been developing their young guys like they've expected them to have minutes. Well, now it's a forced issue. And what can these guys do, not just against Northwestern, but as they move forward? Because there's, you can look at the rest of the Big Ten, and for the most part, especially at PBA, say there's winnable games. I don't know if tonight's winnable, just the way Northwestern came out of the gate off of COVID with their win. Uh, Nebraska's not done much, if anything, against Northwestern during the Hoiberg era. Northwestern's had their number. They've always shot really well. And now they bring in a team that's pretty versatile and talented and can shoot as well as drive and get to the rim. It's a big ask for tonight. Nebraska's not going to hang their head, but what you saw and this response I saw against Penn State was a team that was ready to keep throwing punches. And, and I, I like that. I just hope it sticks and stays that mentality. But I, I don't. I don't know why you're asking if tonight's a winnable game because everything that's been at PBA this year has been a winnable game. And despite the fact that Nebraska's down some guys, Northwestern after what was it a week and a half off Eight. as a team, they come back on, on Monday night and play a game. And now you're playing on short rest, only 48 hours to to gear up and come into a a, a home court advantage for Nebraska that has proven itself this year and in years past to be one of the more formidable venues in the Big Ten. It's it's not Michigan State. It's not Assembly Hall. But Pinnacle Bank Arena has earned a reputation as being a tough place to mm-hmm. come in and play. So I'm not going to sit here and say that tonight's not winnable because I think anything that is at Pinnacle Bank Arena this season is winnable with that home court crowd. And, and whenever you combine it with the fact that Northwestern's on short rest tonight, it, it, this this feels like a, a could be a letdown spot for Northwestern in terms of coming in and you know what? You feel really good after that game on Monday. You, you, your legs were back after a COVID break. You're feeling confident. Now you're going to Nebraska, who's down some guys because of injury, and you go, does Northwestern come in and lay an egg? I'm not prepared to say that tonight's not winnable. I'd, I'd go very far from It's that, just actually. a tough ask because of, of who's out. 
if you have if you are full strength, not not a worry. Nebraska's probably favored, but now that you're relying on some young guys, uh, you're going to get inconsistency a lot of times with youth. But a little bit uh, of Fred starting off his presser yesterday here on Emmanuel and this team. You know what? I think the big thing is just Emmanuel's spirits right now. I mean, he's the same guy that he's always been. Came in with a big smile on his face and uh, was a great leader for our guys over on the sidelines. So I think when they see that, they know that he's going to continue to be with them and lead them. And obviously, it's a huge blow for our guys. We kind of expected it after the initial evaluation at the game the other day. But then once reality sets in after the scan, results come back, um, it is a big blow. And then you just start looking at, you know, first of all, after, you know, just how sick you are for the kid that his college career is ending this way. After never being injured his entire life, he's never had an ankle sprain, never had anything wrong and just has a freak injury where he planted and uh, you know now his career's over so it, it's it's devastating from that standpoint just because of what we all think about Emmanuel just how big he was to get everything flipped for us this year how much of a catalyst he was in that area and he's not going to be out there with us anymore uh, on the floor so it, it's tough when something happens to such a great kid like that and now the focus for him shifts to how are we going to help him through this, how we getting him through the rehab process and then helping him hopefully have a long, productive professional career. Uh, you know, so that's the initial, um, you know, with the kid. As far as the adjustments that we're going to have to make, obviously you're taking our two best perimeter defenders off the floor with he and Jawan in the last in the last week. And there's going to have to be adjustments. Different guys are going to have to play different roles. We're going to have to play a little bit more like we did at Purdue when Greasel was out of the lineup with some big, big lineups. Um, you know, Sam Hoiberg is going to have to be ready to go out there and play. And, you know, he's, again, it's what you prepare yourself for, for these opportunities. Even though he hasn't gotten significant minutes, he comes in every day and gets extra work in. So he's going to have to be prepared. Um, you know, different guys are going to play different positions and they're going to have to play a lot of minutes, but they're ready for it. So, you know, the sting of losing you know your emotional leader on the floor your defender the guy that kind of is the head of the snake and gets it all rolling for you uh, he's not going to be there anymore in these last 11 regular season games so guys are gonna have to step up uh, i'm confident they will and we're going to continue to go out there and battle and play hard and and uh, and leave everything on the floor i have no doubt that's their intention what are the results going to be and with the injury situation uh, this is the year that it, it feels like Fred kind of gets it with how you got to win in the Big Ten. He is dialed back with what he wants to do and has shifted to what he kind of has to do. I mean, I want to see another year of, of Fred Hoiberg. And I know we've got 11 games left, and, and right now Nebraska is at 10-10. and 10. Listen, I, I think they have had the proverbial light bulb come on. I think they've done a good job of who they've gone after. When you go get a guy like Gary and Bandamel, uh, along with Greasel, I mean, those three gets have been impressive. I know you're going to lose Walker and Greasel. Uh, I do like uh, some of the young pups they do have. So let's just see if, if he gets a little bit more time. I know it's been a tough first three years with who he recruited and how they played. They were tough to watch. It was uh, all foam and no beer. But now you got uh, you got some beer here and, and less foam with buy-in and, and effort. And, and I think uh, while the athleticism's maybe a bit night and day as a unit, 
they're, they're playing as one. And I think that's what Nebraska fans appreciate. You want to win, yes. But right now, you, you appreciate how they're playing. And I think the question now is, with, with Fred and his job, is what does the future look like? And the future is it's now here with this Husker basketball team, with, with Bandamel and with Juwan Gary being out. The future is here. It's an opportunity. What are these guys going to do with it? Absolutely. We'll wind down our one. It's Hale Varsity presented by Currency. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Hour two, shortly, Andy Markowski, Husker standout, the pride of Ord. And, uh, of course, uh, assistant with Pius Girls Basketball and big fan of the Husker women's program. So, uh, Mr. Markowski here at uh, 5.05 as we get into hour two. Evan Bland, Omaha World Held. Reminder to get buckled up. Seatbelt save lives and prevent injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up, a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. The NFL MVP finalists are out. We'll talk to one of their fathers tomorrow, Coach Jimmy Burrow. Going to join us, Joe Burrow, a finalist for NFL MVP, second in the league with touchdown passes, tied with Josh Allen. Jalen Hurts is in. Justin Jefferson, the low and wide receiver, course Patrick Mahomes in his 41 touchdown passes this year just 12 interceptions that's your eventual winner there's no question in my mind okay you think Mahomes over Hurts I don't think there's any question in my mind I mean uh both away they're both non-playoff teams Mahomes had what like 95 plus percent of the vote in terms of the first team all pro Sure, media, and sure. that, that's usually a pretty good straw poll for who your MVP is going to be. Is who's the first team All Pro quarterback? Oh, it's Patrick Mahomes. If, if I was a betting man, I'd say pretty confidently that you can get. I wouldn't bet the house on Patrick Mahomes. Maybe bet the car. Okay, <laughs> bet, bet bet the car. <laughs> bet, yeah. bet the family truckster. See, you, you don't want to be sleeping on the street, but you can always go to a bike if uh, if you lose mm, the car in the sure. bet. But I, I think Patrick Mahomes is a pretty safe bet to be your your NFL MVP this year. Well, I just wonder when you, when you have finalists and then you get to the Super Bowl. I mean, regular season's regular season, but if Burrow turns Arrowhead into Burrowhead, like. He has. If he beats Mahomes one on one again, he goes four and zero against him, and Joe Burrow gets a, a a Super Bowl championship delivered to the Queen City. That could sway my vote. I think Philadelphia. I mean, their defense is insane. Seventy sacks on the season. That's what you have written home about. But their receiving core is incredible. Their running game is nice, and Jalen Hurts has been unstoppable. I mean, he has been such a headache for teams and quite honestly when he went out that's when they lost their two ball games I mean, they could be working on an unbeaten season right now coulda 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 I know Josh Allen's awesome tremendous talent really kind of a one-man band honestly I know he's got Diggs and company but he he just he carries that offense with his arm and with his legs and when you uh, make life difficult for him um 
your result was last Saturday. Uh, and, and again, the end of the season was pretty emotional for them. Justin Jefferson was flat out incredible. Minnesota didn't deliver their quarterbacks, clearly not in the same class as the ones we've just mentioned. Uh, I think you're right to, to, to shade. We'll talk with Danny Burke tomorrow, I'll get his prop bets here, because I'm sure you can go to the old uh, sports book and lay heat down on who you think wins it and what your return on that investment may be. But I, I can absolutely say, sure, Mahomes deserves it. He's as good as it gets at quarterback. But I could really listen to Jalen Hurts and, and Joe Burrow. Can, can, I, I think both those guys are very deserving. Can I just bring up a pretty incredible stat here? Three of these five NFL MVP finalists are still on their rookie deal. When you look at Justin Jefferson, Jalen Hurts, and, and Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. That's pretty incredible when you look at the, the youth movement in the NFL. We talked about it last week in the quarterbacks, but just overall, three of your five guys still on a rookie contract. And you've seen Mahomes in Kansas City do it at a high, high level without some of their weapons that left because you had to pay somebody, and you paid, obviously, Mahomes. Andy Markowski's next hour, two on the way. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office. Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Current. Hit some football here coming up with Evan Bland. Busy uh, day in the Metro for a number of high school prospects with Nebraska coaches and other coaches. Husker basketball set to go less than an hour from now. In PBA, Northwestern in town. Standout Husker, the pride of Ord, assistant with the Pious Girls basketball team. Andy Markowski with us at Markowski underscore Andy. Andy, how we doing, man? Thanks for the time. Uh, not a problem, Smitty. Good to be on. Well, it's good to chat with you, and uh, uh, I believe the uh, the line in A Few Good Men, the hits just keep on coming as uh, let's talk injury and adjustment for Fred Hoiberg tonight against Northwestern. Let's start there. Well, certainly uh, Northwestern's you know, best uh, scores are, are both perimeter players. Uh, you know, kind of a two and, and a wing. So when you when you take out Bandamel and, and Gary, uh, you know, it's just 
create some some difficulty on on where you match up. Right, anytime Fred was going to set his matchups, it was going to start with with Bandamel, and then Gary would kind of get the next best uh, you know mid size forward. And now you don't have those options uh, defensively. So uh, you know a couple other players are are going to have to step up and and try to give them a boost defensively. But I think it puts more pressure. On the offensive side of the ball, um, they're just going to have to find uh, you know ways to, to score a few more points because they're just not the, the team defensively. They can't recover as well. They don't have the defensive length that they had prior to those two injuries. Agreed. Where can they go with that offense? Derek Walker, yes, but who else? Who you betting on? Well, you're you're starting to, to see more lineups with with Casey and and CJ Wiltshire together. Um, you know, it, it's going to hurt you a little bit defensively, but both of those players are capable of, of making threes. Uh, you know, I think Sam is, you know, still having a, a nice year. Uh, there's, there's games that he maybe shoots it a little better, gets to the foul line a little more. I think he's going to have to be more consistent there. And then, and then Walker's going to have to be, uh, you know, the player that he's been. He's been pretty consistent. Um, he's, you know, probably shooting the ball, um, you know, at a high clip, uh, but he just gets to the free throw line. And, and his thing is he needs to stay out of foul trouble. You know, it's, it's asking a lot of him. Uh, losing, you know, Blaze Keita, I, I think there's times that um, they could get him off the floor and, and get, maybe get Keita in to save him some, some fouling. Uh, but, you know, with Keita being out as well, it, it's put a lot of pressure on Walker defensively. I think he's been in foul trouble in some, in some key stretches uh, that, that really hurts our offense. Andy Markowski's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Andy, one of the interesting things that Fred Hoiberg said in his, his presser ahead of the Northwestern game was that, you know what, maybe Sam Hoiberg's going to be getting some, some more minutes tonight to be able to, to, to fill the gap. And I've always wondered, what's it like coaching your own kid? How do you separate you know, the, the home life from, from the, the basketball floor? And your guy is in a unique position. You've got to coach your daughters over at Pius. So, so tell me, what is that experience like uh, You know, whenever you're trying to, to – to manage a team and, and make sure everyone thinks they're traded fairly, but also you have a kid on the team, and you know what? You, you probably do care for that that one player a little bit more than the other ones. Yeah, I, I you know, in my experience, I, I was a, a coach uh, long before I was a, a parent, and I've always kind of viewed my kids as uh, no different than any other players on the team. You know, there's uh, a standard that they need to, to live up to to, to play. Um, you know, you you might you might coach them a little harder because you probably have a little bit better relationship, you know, off the court with them, right? So you kind of know uh, when and where you can you can push them. But but ultimately, um, you know, it's very rewarding to to, to share in that experience. Um, but you know, in the end, Fred wants to win, and the players that you know he he's going to play in the game tonight have to help you be able to win that basketball game. So you know, if his son is playing, I you know I, I think it's. Uh, you know, the situation where A, he's needed due to the depletion of the roster, but, but B, if he is getting minutes, you know, Fred thinks there's probably a stretch of time or, or maybe he can help, uh, the, you know, change the outcome of the game. And, you know, if he can't help him win, then, then, you know, he shouldn't be playing. And, you know, I'll leave that up to Fred to, to make that decision. And I think Sam has worked hard and, you know, I've watched him in practice. And, you know, he brings a lot of energy and toughness. And, and, and sometimes those things can help spark the team off the bench. Andy Markowski joining us here on Varsity Radio, Nebraska Northwestern. Andy, what do you need tonight and, and moving forward from Dawson and from Lawrence? What's what's a what's a good combo? Obviously, take care of the basketball, be sound defensively. But we just talked, and you're right, offense has got to pick it up. What's what's a good combination number for both of them offensively? 
Well, you know, the thing you look for and anybody that plays in a game is you, you just can't have people on the floor and get empty minutes, right? They, they have to find some production, you know, not just not turning the ball over. You know, I think Dawson is doing a nice job of defending and rebounding. He had eight rebounds the other night. You know, but they have to find some baskets as well. You know, Dawson, I think he's athletic enough to get to the foul line. Um, you know, I, I, I think we can – you know, Dawson made a three. I, you know, I, I think they have to find a way to score five to seven points. I think the positive tonight is Northwestern does not score it real easy. I mean, they're in the mid-60s. They're shooting sub-40% uh, from the floor. Um, so I, this is going to be a grinded-out game. They do get to the foul line about nine more times than Nebraska. So, you know, Nebraska's done a great job of not fouling. Um, but we've been plagued uh, by getting to the free-throw line and not being able to capitalize. So I, I look for, for that to be a, a huge step tonight. And, and getting to the foul line and keeping Northwestern off the line. But when we get there, um, you know, we, we struggle uh, scoring 65 points. We, we've got to take advantage of the free ones. Did you take anything with you from the, the Penn State effort despite the adversity? Yeah, I thought Penn State played, you know, really well. I had a, I was in San Diego. I had a chance to, to watch it on my phone. And, yeah, I, I thought they, they, they shot it really well. I thought we did a nice job of, of not panicking and, and, and staying in there um, and, and competing on the road. Uh, you know, Penn State is is a good team with good players. So I you know, I still feel like we have enough to, to be competitive at home. Uh, Northwestern has, has found a way to win a lot of close games where maybe we've found a way to, to, to not win some of the close games that we've been in. Um, you know, they're coming off a big win against the good Wisconsin team on Monday night. You know, they're coming off of COVID. They've got, I think, you know, five games in a nine-day window. So you never know what their prep looked like getting down here, which, you know, is an advantage to Nebraska having been playing off of a, off a short recovery and prep. So, you know, those things uh, and the fact that they can't score, we're, we're coming off a game that I thought we were competitive at Penn State. I, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, and I think we'll be right there in four-minute mark with a chance to win it. So Andy Markowski says take the unders tonight. Is that your, uh, your official betting advice? I do. I, I have not seen what the unders are. I'm, I'm assuming they're set relatively low, just knowing the, how the stats uh, of each team matches up. But I, I do think this is going to be, uh, uh, you know, baskets are, are going to be hard to get tonight. It should be noted, I have notes in here from uh, Will over on the morning hookup, the morning show here on ESPN Lincoln, and he has Nebraska's unders record this year as uh, 14 times they've hit the under, only three times the overs has been hit, and it's pushed twice. So okay. unders is usually a good bet with Husker uh, basketball. Uh, there, there's that well, for... If I'm telling unders and bet overs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Andy, let's talk about the the team you've seen from Fred this year, 10 and 10 right now. Uh, just, uh, you know, kind of in that lower tier in the Big Ten right now. But the Big Ten's, quite frankly, just a mess this year aside from Purdue. And I'm interested here, uh, as you look at this fourth year with Fred, You've seen great effort. You, pre-injury, you saw a team that you thought might be able to turn the corner. Now it's up in the air with how some of the young guys fill in uh, with some of those older guys out due to injury. But I think this has been a year of progress. There's still 11 games left. But do you feel better about the direction of Nebraska basketball, or is it still a question mark? Yeah, I, I certainly feel this season uh, has been much you know easier on the eyes. I think the, the fan base and the community can 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 buy into this group, right? I mean, I, they've they've played hard, they've played together. Um, you know, it seems like they're high character kids, and you know, it's a testament to to Fred and his staff to, to finding some some good fits. Um, you know, my my uh, my biggest concern is 
you know, kind of the, the unique pieces you have on this roster, uh, you know, Sam and, and Walker and, and Bandabelle are all all gone, right? So it's not like you can say, hey, we're making a lot of progress. We get, you know, 90% of our mm-hmm. core back, and, you know, next year is going to be a, another big step forward. I, I, I think you have to, to figure out how you which are, are, are pretty valuable in, in, in how you performed this year and won. Um, and then you look at, you know, places like K-State that, you know, in one year went from, you know, a two or three win conference team to, to ranked in the top ten. And then you're playing a team uh, in Northwestern tonight where Chris Collins has kind of had that, I think it's his tenth year, and, you know, it's kind of been a, a steady build. They've had a couple good teams get the tournament and they take a couple steps back. And you know, I think Fred you know, given enough time, can mix and match and, and, and maybe find a couple groups that can get to the NCAA tournament. Um, but I, I, I still have questions. I, I don't know if the young kids in our program are, are good enough to be top ten, uh, our top half, uh, you know, players in the, in, in the Big Ten. Uh, so that concerns me. But well, with NIL and the ability to, to go out and, and, and grab some, some talent and, and fit them in, um, you know, Fred seemed to, to you know, do that last year, but that, that's a hard, uh, you know, from a consistency standpoint, you just don't know if you can do that year in and year out. So it's a long, long-winded answer. I, I like Fred. Um, I think Nate Linser, uh, adding to the staff, Nate really has revamped the defense. I've seen a lot of progress in areas that I, I think can carry over year over year. Uh, but in the end, you got to have talent to, to win in this league. And, and I don't know if I look at that roster coming back next year and, and saying that that's a top-half uh a roster for talent, and you know, I think that concerns a lot of a lot of people. And if you know, I was administration, I, that would be a concern of mine as well. You mentioned K State, also Iowa State. That was a battle last night. In in your view, what why has K State been able to flip it? They've got talent, yes, but they got that talent to Manhattan. I don't think K State and Nebraska are apples to apples NIL wise. So. Give me your, your quick rundown here on, on why K-State has emerged just two and a half hours south in a great, great league. Yeah, a great, great question. I wish I you know, knew the answer because, you know, to, to that point, I mean, we, we have everything that, that K-State has, right? I mean, maybe they have a little bit more tradition, but, you know, if you, if you look at the, the resources and, you know, to your point, if, if NIL truly is the difference, I, I think we have, you know, some more resources than they. So, you know, is it, it, the culture, is it coaching, is it, you know, lock where they just hit on the, the right two kids? Um, you know, maybe, you know, if Walker starts the year and, and, you know, we don't have him sit out six games, I mean, you know, maybe this team catches confidence and, and, and has a little better season too. So I, I do think there's some luck involved with those quick turnarounds. But, um, but you know, I, I think you have to ask yourself as administration, if, if you're seeing this being done at, at, at other places, you know, why, why not us, right? I mean, why not the curse of Nebraska basketball? Why can't we have that done here? And, and, and then can, can Fred do that? Is that the guy that, that can help uh, flip that in, in, in year four? You know, it hasn't been done, but, but I, I do see some progress and in, in some, in some, you know, just cultural things that, that, I, that I think can help Fred continually build on what they did this year. But, but it's going to take a couple, you know, kids through the portal to, to help accelerate that. You mentioned the curse of Nebraska basketball, and that's being the team that doesn't have a win in, in the NCAA tournament. Was that on the periphery, even when you were down there going to tournaments? I mean, was that in the air, or is that something that you've 
uh, you've exercised that demon at some point with, all right, we've used a live chicken and Joe Boo's rum. I mean, you've <laughs> you've done your part for it to try and get rid of that Husker curse. Yeah, you know, it's just a weird, uh, you know, really weird stat. I, uh, you know, we've had teams good enough to, to, to win a game, right? We've had matchups and we were up. You know, eleven at our on Arkansas in '98 found a way to, to let that slip away. I, I I don't think you know that's a limiting factor to, to why kids you know come here or not. Um, you know, certainly it's talked about in March more, right? With just being such a unique such a unique stat. And I always tell people, I'd love to get into the playing game, right? A 16 versus a 16 or 11 <laughs> versus 11, like that counts as an NCAA tournament win. In reality, it it, it really shouldn't, right? I mean, a 16 beats a 16 shouldn't. Shouldn't count as a win, so I, I would love to have Nebraska sneak into a, a playing game and get their their first win. But you know, obviously, it's not going to be this year. Um, you know, certainly, uh, it's not embarrassing to to be associated with that. I mean, I'm I'm proud of you know my time there and the teams that we had. You know, it's certainly uh, you know kind of a, a, a blemish. But you know, you can only control the the four years that you're there, right? You can't control the the hundred years of of Nebraska basketball. But, you know, I, I hope in my lifetime we get to celebrate a victory, Chris. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, that's my only expectation, that, that we get a chance to, to celebrate a Nebraska tournament win at, at some point in the next uh, couple decades. Let's talk Iowa City, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, Andy. Uh, it's the next uh, game for, for Husker women. Uh, tough roadie on Saturday. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier, right? You played a, a pretty good Maryland team at home, and then an Iowa team that um, you know was preseason top one or two didn't didn't play, play great early, but just went on the road and, and gave Ohio State their first loss. You know, uh, great point guard, five seniors, great post. Um, you know, we we went in there last year, and I, I thought gave them a, a good battle, but you know, the, this group is is not playing you know super consistent. They they went on the road and won a a hard-fought Purdue game, and then you know came came home and didn't play well. So you know you're going to have to play your best to, to have a chance to be competitive. And you know they're on the bubble. Um, the great thing about the Big Ten is uh, you can be on the bubble, and you're going to get a lot of chances to play their their way in. They've got Illinois twice, top 25. They got Iowa twice. They're at Michigan. They got Michigan State at home, which is on the bubble. So this group still has a lot of opportunity to, to, to play themselves off the bubble, but, but they can play themselves off the bubble the other way if they don't find ways to start winning. You know some of these good games. Husker standout, Prida Ord, Andy Markowski. Andy, we'll see you soon. Thanks for a few minutes today. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Andy Markowski. His interview will be posted Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, also the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Mike Babcock, earlier tomorrow, uh, we'll talk Joe Burrow with Jimmy Burrow. We say hi to Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald, at Evan Bland, O-W-H, on Twitter, where you find him, Omaha.com, where you read him. All right, uh, Evan, uh, I'm going to start off with some baseball real quick. 
and uh, Will Jeske, one of my favorites. Love watching him ball at Southeast and also on the gridiron. Uh, got a family connection to him. Really excited for him and excited for Nebraska baseball to get a get another in-state talent. Got Buten back and, of course, now uh, Jeske. Yeah, that's right. They keep working. Uh, it's actually been, I think, a couple of months since Nebraska baseball has had a commitment. So he sort of breaks that that little drought, and it's not unusual this time of year. But, yeah, I, I think his situation just sort of reminds you that recruiting is never, uh, in any sport, really, it's never dead. Um, you know, he, he, he I think, really attended the the camp that they just had uh, over the weekend and had been committed to Wichita State previously, um, infielder who's shown a lot of power during his time with the Knights. So, um, you know, always, always cool, especially when the in-state guys who grew up loving the Huskers gets a chance to play for the hometown, the home state team. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it sort of is a continuation of the pattern that Will Bolt has shown, certainly in his four years here, where, uh, you know, the in-state guys are, are a priority for sure. And, um, you know, even if, if uh, you know, things don't, don't necessarily solidify early on in their high school careers, freshman or sophomore years, um, you know, the, the coaches continue to keep track of those guys. And for Jeske, yeah, I mean, having a chance to, to uh, make things official with Nebraska is a pretty cool deal, and we'll see him – uh, you know, as soon as next season. Evan, with, with baseball season right around the corner, and this might be a, a little early, but what do you think the expectations are going to be with this Husker baseball team this year? In the Big Ten, you're, you're always going to be expected to compete with how much more uh, money and interest this Husker baseball team has as compared to other teams in the Big Ten. So what do you think the expectations are for year three of the Bull Terror? Or I guess year four, but season three. It's been a weird start, hasn't it? I mean, you think about, I mean, his first year was the, the COVID shutdown. His second year they win the Big Ten in a league-only schedule, which was odd, and it started late, uh, but that was one of their better teams that they've had. And then last year, uh, worst winning percentage uh, that Nebraska's had in a season since the mid-'70s, don't make the tournament in Omaha. So you've had some major back and forth um, just in terms of, of the range of the spectrum that Nebraska's had. So, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that it'll end up somewhere in the middle, but it's it's hard to – it's even harder than usual to project. And baseball can be, especially at the college level, can be hard to project anyway. But you've had the transfer portal into that. I mean, Nebraska's, I think, sent 16 guys into the portal. They've gotten six guys out since last season. That's combined. That's the most portal action uh, of any team in the Big Ten. So, you know, when when I think when the when the coaches have looked back on what went wrong last season, um, it, it was less about talent and a specific area although there were struggles in certain areas, but it, it was more about uh, they just never had the sort of the chemistry and the cohesion that that 2021 team had. And specifically, I'm talking about stuff like peer accountability, peer leadership, um, you know, being being selfless in terms of, of how the offense came together. And so, I mean, it was a major reset. And, and you're, you're bringing in, at, to this point, 24 new faces. You've had, I think it's 19 now holdovers from last year's team. So how does that all sort of come together and coalesce? Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot about this team early on, in these first three weeks in February uh, and into March when they go on the road, San Diego, South Alabama, and then that, that uh, big one in Minneapolis where they get to take a swing at Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. 
Um, you know, we know, like we we tend to know when Nebraska has uh, a good team early in the year. They they tend to compete and win some of those games, and just by the nature of of how college baseball sets up, that's going to be a really important stretch for setting their RPIs and building their postseason resumes as well. So I think there's a lot of uh, incentive, uh, especially just how things line up for Nebraska to hit the ground running, which makes this next few weeks really important as they iron out their lineups and the rotation and things. But um, you know, I think bottom line, uh, Nebraska baseball, you're always talking about uh, a, a team that contends for the Big Ten, that's in the conversation for a regional. And I think if you were to ask the coaches and the players, they feel like they have enough talent uh, assembled to where they can uh, be in that conversation. Evan, when you look at the next couple of weeks, rotation, bullpen, and lineup, where do you see the most competition going down before uh, we actually get the season underway? Well, I think kind of lost in – what happened last season, the disappointment of it, was the pitching, despite all the injuries, was actually pretty good. And they're going to get a lot of that back, and they're going to add to it. I mean, you think about the fact that guys like Shea Shanneman and Kyle Perry uh, were weekend rotation guys last year. Those guys are going to be coming out of the bullpen in, in a few weeks. They are not uh, rotation pieces. And some of that was, was of their own choosing. But some of it, too, uh, I think speaks to the depth that they're going to have. I mean, they feel like... Emmett Olsen, uh, who got a lot of starts down the stretch, is going to be a weekend guy. They have a lot of faith in Jace Kaminska, uh, who transferred in in the offseason. Uh, I'd watch out for a freshman by the name of Caleb Clark as well to maybe be in that mix. And so if it starts with that, that depth trickles down into the bullpen. Um, you know, I mentioned Shanneman. I think he'll be given first crack at that closer job. And so you just have a lot of depth there, and, and especially in this climate in college baseball where power and home runs specifically have just exploded in the last handful of years. Um, if you have a, a group of arms and a depth of arms that can hold some of that down, you're going to be in good shape. Now, I think on the other side uh, that is where I probably would still – need to see a little bit more from Nebraska. I mean, again, the offense was what uh, was a big bugaboo for them last year. They didn't have a lot of depth. They didn't have a lot of different ways that they could score. Um, and so we'll, we'll see what some of the additions there have done. Casey Burnham's a, a speedy outfielder who kind of has some tools similar to what Jackson Hallmark did a couple years ago, um, and they feel like they have some depth there. So we'll see how that plays out. But I think, you know, going in, I feel uh, more confident in the pitching, and it's more of a prove-it sort of scenario for the offense. Evan Bland with his few-minute tale, Varsity Radio. Evan with the Omaha World Herald. Evan, to go to football here and busy week in the Metro uh, with uh, Coach Foley at uh, La Vista South and Central and Bell West earlier this week. Uh, of course, uh, you've got uh, a number of coaches in-state and out-of-state checking in on Davon Hall, Daniel Kalen, and Isaiah McMorris. And what's your uh, your thought here on the Flex of the World and Drinkowitz and, and even some of Coach Prime's crew coming into uh, the metro region this week? Yeah, I mean, it's another reminder of how, how uh, national, I think, recruiting has become. I mean, 15 years ago, if you had all those sorts of names coming in, it would be, I think, kind of surprising. And you're almost used to it at this point. I mean, P.J. Flex has been a regular in Omaha uh, for a number of years now. I mean, Urban Meyer's been around. He's been at Lewis Central and Council Bluffs. Um, you know, Kirk Ferentz gets out this way. So I think it speaks to the talent in the metro area, certainly. And, and I think there are, at this point, maybe six or seven uh, 2024 prospects who have Division one offers. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a reminder that 
You know, this isn't 20 years ago where if you're in Nebraska, you just kind of assume those guys will come here. You still have to go out and make an effort and build relationships and show why why they should stay. You have to give them a reason to stay as opposed to, um, you know, maybe not giving them a reason to leave sort of thing. So uh, a lot of talent in the area. I think that's that's really started to crop up the last three or four years um, in terms of the, the quantity of it, and, and it's just going to get bigger. So when you see guys like uh, Ed Foley out in the area and Matt Rule making the rounds, like that's that's what you have to do because if you don't, like you said, uh, there are a lot of other major brands coming in, um, and they're ready to, to, to take it out. Is new and track record enough to garner interest? That, that'll open the door, Evan, for Nebraska to build relationships. Coach Rule's really dedicated to that. Uh, can that bridge maybe a, a tough season one in a in a lineage of tough seasons? I mean, you're working on six years of no postseason. A lot of these kids don't know uh, what Nebraska football was when, when you and I were growing up. And uh, we, we've heard the topic and talked the topic of lost generation. At least you have a, a new focused uh, new focus by rule and the assistants to to keep everyone in state in state. That said, you still got to win on Saturdays. Right. I mean, I, I think early on, and this is true for a lot of uh, new regimes. Like you have a window in the early going in the first year or two to sell hope to recruits because you're you're new in that place. And, and Matt Rule can speak to his rebuilds at Temple and at Baylor, uh, but he can also very much tap into this idea that. Uh, things can turn around, and they can be part of that. I think that was something else that he uh, likes to to put out there um, to recruits when he travels is, you know, should Nebraska turn things around and uh, be contending in the Big Ten uh, Conference and and be in bowl games and all this, uh, fans will remember those early classes that turned it around. Um, They'll they'll remember those guys who – who stuck with the program when maybe some of the statistics and, and some of the track record would tell them to go somewhere else. And so I think there is a power in that. And, and it certainly it's not universal. I mean, there are many examples of guys who just want to go somewhere else in the country, see something else different. But I do think there are a lot of people, um, you know, who, who maybe have grown up and seen Nebraska struggle who wonder, man, uh, if I could be a part of that turnaround, um, you know that's 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 a major deal. That's you're not necessarily just a cog, um, you know, at another program that's had a lot of success, but you can really be remembered and make an impact, um, turning something around at a place that already has the support, that already has the the structure and and everything else that you could want. It just hasn't had that on-field success. And so, um, yeah, I, I think absolutely right now, um, with with a new coach that has his own success rate elsewhere um i think that message could resonate in the metro and elsewhere in the state evan bland with us world herald hail varsity radio evan about a minute here who's nebraska's biggest outside threat what program in terms of in-state recruiting yes thank you for finishing the sentence (laughs) uh you know i think iowa still still is right there they still have probably the biggest track record recently of of taking guys out of the state and and showing them success elsewhere Uh, i think minnesota's probably uh they kind of want to be that team they're they're often here um you know colorado has shown i think an increased presence since Deion sanders has taken over um you know a couple months ago so i think it's still iowa though right now i mean they, they have they can they can just show you how they've developed guys sent them to the nfl um 
in a, in, a, in a climate in college athletics and college football where there's so much turnover, um, the same guy is still in charge out there um, who's run the same program for a lot of years. So I think there's some, uh, you know, some reassurance in that part of it too. So probably Iowa and, and some of the other regional teams. Um, but I do absolutely think that if Nebraska were to start winning and turning things around, uh, it would be a lot easier to start, uh, you know, maybe putting up a fence a little bit more with mm-hmm. some of those um, borderline regional teams coming in. Evan, we'll talk next week. Thank you for the time. Thanks, guys. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Uh, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, Dr. Brandon Seifert with this, Dr. Brandon. And should be quite a ball game in Arrowhead, Dr. Brandon. How are we doing? Hey, I'm good, Chris. That is going to be a fantastic ball game. Just hope we can get Mahomes rocking and rolling again. Let's start with uh, what exactly happens with a high ankle sprain. And I know Mahomes is the better uh, situation compared to Pollard with Dallas, who ended up, you know, breaking his leg uh, with that high ankle sprain. Mahomes, though, reports uh, he was in, the, in front of the podium today, and he's at practice this afternoon. Yeah, you know, definitely kind of, you know, two extremes there of where the, where you're at in the high ankle sprain. So as we kind of go back and, and review, thinking about what is a high ankle sprain, so anatomically, obviously, we're dealing with the ankle. And what happens here is you get this kind of extreme, what we call external rotation force. So if you think about where your ankle is, if you were to take kind of your great toe, that middle part of your foot, and push that to the outside, that'd be external rotation. So you take that kind of mechanism, and then you kind of also roll the ankle more to the inside. So we're kind of used to, you know, if you step on a curve, you kind of roll the ankle to the outside. This injury is opposite of that. It's where the foot rolls in, and then it also rotates out. And as you do that, that force usually is a much higher force to generate that, and it basically travels further up the uh, tibia, which is the shin. And there's a big ligament that sits in between those two bones, between the uh, tibia, which is the shin, and the fibula, the small bone. And that big ligament complex is called the syndesmosis. And what happens is, is you have that kind of extreme inversion rotation force. It starts to you know, pull apart that ligament that supports those two big structures. Typically, in kind of your generic ankle sprain that's not a high ankle sprain, you're dealing more with kind of the length of the ligaments more surrounding kind of lower at kind of the level of the ankle joint, obviously to move into a force great enough to you know, kind of tear or stretch part of that syndesmosis. It's just a much higher uh, mechanism of injury, much higher energy to do that. And obviously, when you look at it from a you know, pain standpoint, recovery standpoint, just a longer process to kind of battle through, a more difficult process to battle through. And that's really kind of the scenario we're dealing with, essentially with Mahomes at this point, which pretty amazing if you know, finish the game and still was able to do the stuff he's able to do. But then you go to the extreme of that, where you rotate all the way through and you tear all the way through that ligament to the point where now that force goes from between those two bones, transfers through the ligament and then into the bone, and you receive have a fracture on top of that. And that's a different scenario. That's a you know, surgery uh, pathway. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. A jock doc Wednesday. We're talking Patrick Mahomes, his high ankle sprain. How fine a line is it? Is it just placement and weight? Uh, 
on on where the the force comes down on that ankle between surgery and maybe being able to cope with it like Mahomes? Yeah, absolutely. It really, from from our perspective, it's it's a lot of like those other you know ligaments we talked about. Like let's say, for example, we talked about MCLs on here. Uh, our good friend uh, Kevin Durant and all the ones he's had. Mm-hmm. You know, when you basically stretch that, it's really kind of that classification of how far have you stretched it, how many of those fibers have you disrupted, and have you reached the point where essentially it becomes unstable. That's kind of when you reach that uh, surgical decision. Is when you reach a point where it's unstable enough that the essentially the dome-shaped bone that sits on the bottom side of your ankle called the talus, when that starts to shift out to the side, that's when you kind of reach that point of too much instability now needs surgery to basically stabilize that. Uh, but again, you're right, just the amount of kind of that force that's generated through it, ultimately that position that that ankle is forced into to a certain degree is going to determine whether or not you go on to surgery versus you stretch it just a little and it still has enough internal or inherent stability that you don't need to have surgery and can recover reasonably quickly. So, Dr. Braden, I've seen some people on social media criticizing Mac Jones and praising Patrick Mahomes because Mac Jones was carried off the field following his high ankle sprain and Patrick Mahomes on the sideline begging to play and eventually does come back into that AFC divisional round game. But what you're saying here is essentially there's so much variance in how severe this injury can be. It's like comparing apples to oranges when you look at those two injuries. Elijah, that's a great point. You're absolutely right. You know, these it's really amazing of all the injuries that are out there. These are so variable between different athletes. Um, and and it's, it can be subtle enough where you may not notice it on the exam. You may not notice it, you know, like from an imaging perspective. But obviously from a center perspective, you know, if you, you just kind of cross over that threshold just enough, these can be super painful. Um, and so, yeah, every, every one of these just seems a little bit different you know, than another one. Um, and that's that's pretty typical with these. And then it makes it tough because the return to play for these, like the injury itself, is super variable. So you got coaches getting after like, hey, Johnny was back in you know, five days or ten days. Why is it taking, you know, Mike four weeks to get back? These are tough. They're really tough. And there's so much variability, it's hard to compare one to another. Pain threshold is going to be key here. I don't know that, that – Mahomes feels pain, or at least he does a great job of letting it roll off his back. But if his ligaments are functioning and he can deal with the pain, he'll uh, he'll give it a shot. That said, what about the aggressive rehab? What are the steps docs are taking uh, to to get him right uh, for for Sunday and and beyond? Yeah, you know, so really the big key with these is you don't want it to stiffen up. That's a big part of it. So they're going to do a good job of working on you know, at least doing lots of range of motion, definitely passive motion to keep those, uh, to keep the range of motion up. You're also hitting it really hard with modalities to try to minimize that inflammation, the swelling that's there. Those would be your two big things. Um, and also you don't want to immobilize it too much in the sense that you start to lose some of that muscle mass, you start to atrophy pretty quickly. And so they're going to want to be pretty active with this this week. It'll be more passive, lower impact activity uh, things for him um, and trying to avoid some of the higher impact that just, you know, further damages or irritates the tissues. Um, so he'll have just some easy light practice. I imagine they won't really do a whole lot of cutting, jumping type things with him would be the best way to kind of let this recover as best you can. And once the game rolls around on Sunday, is it just about pain management for, for Mahomes, or is there a risk of, of further injury with this this ankle? 
Yeah, again, good point. It, obviously, but for us, it's, you know, thinking about both. And so, you know, one, pain management, a big part of it. Um, that's definitely probably the biggest issue, at least initially, trying to cut and those kind of things. But obviously, the other thing is if you can't, you know, manage it well, you don't have enough strength to make those good cuts, it would be pretty easy to kind of take this to a higher grade, take it to another level, and then, you know, maybe you end up with a guy that needs to think about having to go on to surgery. Um, so that is obviously a big risk from that perspective. Is the question mark for Sunday his accuracy or is it his improvisation? What's going to be affected more so? Yeah, Chris, I think it'll be more just his mobility, his ability to you know kind of create those those plays that he does. Um, I think passing wise, he'll be okay. I think you know dropping back, doing those things shouldn't be probably a huge issue for him. Uh, but it's that other stuff he kind of just creates in space that that will be difficult at times. I think. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us here. It's a Jock Doc Wednesday. And Dr. Brandon, one last thought before we get you out here with all this in mind. Sh- should I bet the Bengals on Sunday? <laughs> they're, they're only Brandon's, a one-point favorite. Dr. Brandon's sportsbook. <laughs> I don't know. I think that I signed some disclaimer somewhere that I didn't get to <laughs> I'm losing you guys. You're breaking up. That's a smart uh, answer. That's a smart <laughs> answer. <laughs> Dr. Brandon, and enjoy your football this weekend, all right? Okay, fellas. Y'all take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Quite a discrepancy in the latest crop reports with Big Ten projections. Andy Katz, Big Ten Network. He has seven teams in the Big Ten getting into the dance as we speak right now. <laughs> uh, and uh, Joe Lenardi, Joey Buckets, has ten. He has ten. Ten teams getting into the NCAA tournament right now. Now, the last two teams to, uh, to get in with Joey Buckets, two of the last four in, Penn State and Northwestern. Uh, you have, those are the two to, to get in. You have a couple play-in possibilities as well. He has uh, the play-in game with Kentucky and Penn State as a 12 seed. Northwestern's the last 11 to get in. The way Lenardi has it, it's not that different from uh, from what Katz has as far as the seedings go, but you have a one seed right now in Purdue. Yep. And then you have this giant gap, and the question we don't have answered yet is who can play their way up to a, a, a five or a four seed? Because right now, uh, Michigan State's the, the next best. And right now, if we're going to talk 10 teams in the Big Ten. You've got Indiana per Lenardi as a five seed. Iowa is an eight seed. Illinois is a seven seed. Penn State, a 12. Maryland and Ohio State each at an 11 seed. Rutgers is a five seed. They're alone in second place. Wisconsin at a nine seed. Sparty at a six seed. 
Nebraska going to have to deal with some height issues in the paint, and that's not anything new for them. But uh, we'll see how Denham does work next to Walker down low. Uh, you're going to continue with Tominaga starting tonight and Wiltshire to come off the bench. But what do you think of that? 7-10, to 10, I mean, right now, Penn State looks pretty good. Um, Northwestern, we'll see how they handle post-COVID life. Off to a good start. Illinois, I think, will catch fire. Same with Sparty. I think Ohio State's really reeling. They've got a lot of great opportunities early in the year that they didn't capitalize on. They're young, but they're talented. But I think they go sideways. I mean, I think they end up maybe like a 16-13 and 13 type deal and miss the tournament. I think Purdue stays pretty bulletproof. I think Rutgers could climb to maybe a, a four or even a three seed if they if they finish strong. And, and Michigan's, Michigan's a mess right now. And based on how Maryland's been coming into their own, I could see them rising up a little bit. But my initial reaction is just, wow, that's a hell of a lot more teams than uh, the guy who called us last week and said four teams in the Big Ten are making it in. And, and you're, there's really not a lot of gray area. You either think the, the Big Ten's good or you think they're terrible. Yeah. Well, And, and I guess to that caller's credit from last week, you do have about three teams there realistically on the bubble. You do, and it could go sideways for them. I mean, with Penn State, uh, Maryland, and uh, who's the third team that was also an 11 seed? Oh, Wisconsin. Well, Wisconsin was a 9 seed. Yeah, Wisconsin's a 9 seed, but they just they just lost. But, I mean, a couple teams that could, in a couple weeks, play their way out of the tournament. Mm-hmm. So, it remains to be seen. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Jimmy Burrow joins us with Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.